right, give yourself a hand. You got out of bed on a cloudy day. We all know it's harder to get out of bed on cloudy days. So thank you so much for getting out of bed this morning. We celebrate that. It's not an accident. And uh, I'm, I'm never going to stop applauding you for getting out of bed today because we did it. It's a big deal. Um, this morning we're going to be in our final installment of a series called The Counselor. But before I do, I want to just highlight something that Nikki had said on our announcements this morning, and that is that in two weeks, we're celebrating more than Mother's Day. We love to celebrate our moms. That doesn't mean that we don't like to celebrate our moms. We love to celebrate our moms, but we know that sometimes Mother's Day can bring heartache. And what's really cool is here in the last year, uh, we've seen some moms that um, every time Mother's Day would come around, they would get uh, discouraged because uh, they, they didn't think they could get pregnant. Um, and this year, they're celebrating their first Mother's Day because they did get pregnant. And uh, so, yeah, come on. If you're going to clap, you better clap right. And, and so we celebrate women that day, women that may be pregnant or may have been pregnant at some point. Or, or women that just that can't have babies. Because when we were uh, just not, when I wasn't a pastor and, and, and we were serving in other places, um, we, would, we would get frustrated. Uh, we would go to churches that would celebrate, <laughs> this was my favorite, they would celebrate moms by giving out like gift cards to restaurants and things like that. And so they'd be like, so let's celebrate the oldest mom in the house today. And everyone, you know, would clap and they'd give a certificate to the oldest mom. And then they said, let's celebrate the youngest mom in the house today. And a 15-year-old girl that had just gotten pregnant was celebrated, which I'm not saying that we can't celebrate that, but we can't celebrate what God's doing in that situation. But we know that's hard for a 15-year-old to be pregnant when babies are having babies. And it's just difficult. And so because of that, we want to celebrate more than Mother's Day where every lady in the house will be celebrated. And we've got a special, special surprise that I cannot wait to unveil. But you're going to have to be here on Mother's Day to see what that surprise is. I'll just tell you this. Last year, we did a coffee cart and our donut wall made its first appearance. It has made a few other appearances since then because we like donuts. But um, it's it's better than that. I'll just I'll just put that out there, and you'll have to be here. And if you've got a special lady in your life, then she needs to be here in two weeks. So um, cannot wait. Uh, this morning we are again in our last uh, message of our series called the Counselor. Uh, we have been looking at four questions that Jesus asked when he walked the the earth. We know the, the, what Jesus did when he walked on the earth because of four, uh, four books of the Bible known as the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They were all men that followed Jesus and later wrote about him. And so uh, we know these questions because they recorded them. We're looking at only four of them, and how many of you are thankful that we're only looking at four of them and not all 100? I know I am because I'm tired of this series already. I'm just kidding. It's been good. And um, we've asked 
al- already we've asked three questions, and the first question is, in a storm, Jesus asked us, why are you afraid? In a storm, Jesus asked us, why are you afraid? The second question that we looked at is, in a, when we need a miracle, Jesus asked us, if, do you want to get well? I'm sorry, do you believe I can do this? Do you believe I can do this? And then um, last week we looked at, when we have a problem, Jesus asked, do you want to be well? And today we're looking at the question of when you have spiritual doubt, Jesus asks us a simple question, why do you doubt? Why do you doubt? And um, I realize that we have different people here from all walks of life. We have people that have been believers for a very long time. We have people that haven't been believers for at all, that, that you know, you're still just kind of wondering if this whole Jesus thing is what we say it is and so you're still exploring and um the temptation is to say that this message is for you today but the fact of the matter is is that this message is for all of us today because at 38 years old being a a minister for um in some form or another for the last 12 13 years um i even wrestle with doubt at times God, why would you allow for my friend Rob, who's a pastor, lose his wife to cancer that is burying her on Monday? When you look at hard situations in life, it's very easy to doubt God, that God is even there in those moments. And so today we're asking the question, when we wrestle with those things, because it's not a matter of if, but when. When we wrestle with those things, Jesus simply asks us why. Why do you doubt? And so um, I want to invite you into an interactive experience. I feel like I need to say this every week because I'm in New England. And in New England, you're used to going to church where you don't say anything and the guy on stage says it all. And sometimes the only time that you do say something is if he says, repeat after me. And so, um, and then you'll stand up, you'll sit down, you'll stand up and you'll sit down and all that stuff. And so um, I want to invite you into an interactive experience where you can laugh, you can cry, you can um, laugh and cry, right? You can do what, you can, you can say amen, you can, you can talk back, uh, just don't boo and, and we're good, uh, you know. And uh, I just want to invite you into an experience that, is a lot like a movie. It's not like um, a funeral. <laughs> it's awful. But sometimes we go to churches and it feels like a funeral. So I don't, I don't want you leaving here today thinking that it was like a funeral. So as we look at, at doubts, um, we're going to get into God's word in a moment. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain why. But um, here recently we've had some, some Bibles donated to us by a church uh, called Dawson Family of Faith in, in Alabama. And uh, because they just gave them to us, we want to give them away. And so if you don't have a Bible, um, maybe you don't have, maybe you have one at home and you forgot it. Uh, but, but if you don't have a Bible, we don't want you to leave here without a Bible. So um, all it will cost you is the shame of raising your hand. That's it. Just a little shame. Um, no, there's no shame in raising your hand here. Um, just raise your hand and, and we've got people that are handing them out. If you took one last week and you're like, ooh, I forgot it at home, I don't think I should take another one. You should take another one. 
uh, because we want you to have a Bible. And if there's no one, then uh, that's great. We'll just hold on to those and keep giving them away until we run out. So uh, just raise your hand. They're passing those around, and uh, we're going to open those in just a moment. But if you don't have a Bible and you don't want to raise your hand, don't worry. The verses that we'll be reading will be on the screen. So we want you to, uh, to look at those. Did you see that? I just took a drink, drink of water, and it's right here right now. I have a hole in my lip. Um, to, de- to be human is to doubt. Fact of the matter is, to be human is to doubt. This last week, I was uh, looking up some things about, about doubt um, on, on the Internet. I went to um, everyone's source on the Internet. Google, right? And I, uh, I, I typed in, you know, doubt, or, or why do you doubt? And um, I discovered an article uh, on a website, uh, mindful.org, and it's not a website that I know a whole lot about, so I can't, like, recommend it to, for you to go to it. Um, but uh, this particular article that I, that I read was by an, a guy named Mitch Ablett, and um, it's called, We're, We Are Hardwired hard to Doubt It's a Good Thing. We're Hardwired to Doubt It's a Good Thing. And so I want to read for you a little bit of this article, but I'm going to warn you it's boring. Is that okay? Does that make it easier to listen to if I give you a warning ahead of time that it's boring? Um, just so, so, like, focus, pay attention, and just know that I know it's boring. Does that help? So this is what, what Matt, Mitch Ablett says, and it's important that I read it, otherwise I wouldn't because it's boring, right? So um, he says this, he says, overt evidence of a biological basis for doubt comes from neuroscience findings by research at the University of Iowa College of Medicine. Eric Asp, Asp, and colleagues presented eight different consumer advertisements to 18 patients who had suffered from localized damage to an area of the brain called the ventromedial prefrontal cortex, the VMPFE for short. So they take 18 patients and they show them all these articles, all these advertisements that are, um, that are a little sketchy, I'll just put it to you like that. And so as well as two other groups of patients, so they've got 18 that have damage to this prefrontal uh, ventromedial cortex. They've got 18 of those patients, and then they've got another group of patients that have damage to another area of the brain and another group that has a healthy brain. So you've got three different groups for this experiment. Uh, Based on foregoing studies, the researchers suspected that the VMPFC brain region plays a role in facilitating self-protective skepticism. Study results suggest that patients with VMPFC damage were significantly more likely to be swayed to purchase products from shady ads, it didn't say shady ads, but I think that works better, from, sh- from shady ads 
than patients uh, with other forms of brain damage or with healthy brains. So what this article is telling us is that this localized part of the brain, the ventromedial prefrontal cortex, is where skepticism and doubt comes from. He goes on in his article to say, to doubt is to be human. I think if I were to give this message another title other than why do you doubt, the other title would be to, be, to doubt is to be human. He goes on, just take, so to doubt is to be human, just take your doubts, sorry, just do not take your doubts so seriously. Particularly the intense skepti skeptical kind, which is given mindless birth, will be one of the highest hurdles to the happiness of your life. This is an article that is not Christian. This is a, this is a, a secular article. And even they know that we can't take our skepticism and our doubt so seriously. Otherwise, we end up miserable. And so, but, but I want to point out that to doubt is to be human. Now, I hope I haven't lost you with that explanation, but there is a big reason that we'll look uh, more into that later. The thing about being human and, and, and the thing about doubt being human is I believe that because doubt is human, that to find the answer to that doubt, we have to look outside of humans. That's my approach. Is So because to doubt is human, we have to look at another source. And I believe that source is God. We have to look at God's word to find the answer to our doubt because doubt to be doubt to doubt is human. So we can't look to humans for the answer. So we have to look at God's word. And this morning we're going to look at at a story that is really um, interesting because um, in the four gospels, uh, there Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we're going to look at two of the versions of the story. One is told by the guy named Luke, and the other one is told by the guy named John. So we're going to look at the books of Luke and John. Luke chapter 24 is where we're at. And, and Luke chapter 24, verse uh, 35 through 40, we're going to read that story. But I want to give you a little bit of the context of what's going on in this story. And what's going on is Jesus has just risen from the dead. Jesus has just come back to life. Jesus has just done his greatest miracle. He walked out of a tomb where he was. And some of you, you're like, see, Adam, that's where I doubt. That's where you lose me. When you start talking about Jesus walking out of a tomb, that's where I'm lost. You've already done it. You've already lost me. I'm, I'm out. Thank you. Because I want to show you today that I believe that Jesus has an answer for that doubt. And Jesus is the answer to that doubt. And so... In our story, what happens is Jesus has just risen from the dead. He's walking along the road after he's walked out of the tomb. And he sees these men from this town called Emmaus. And he walks up on them. 
having a conversation about Jesus. How many, how many of you know that would be super cool? Like, you were the dead guy that they're talking about, the beating that you took the day before, and you just walk up on it. Hey, guys, what's up? How you doing? Wait a minute. Wasn't that the guy that we were just talking about? Some of you, like, I love walking up on conversations about me. Said no one ever. Right? Like, so Jesus is walking up on this conversation, and this is what happens. Luke 24, 35 through 40. Then the two from Emmaus told their story how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road. So, um, so this is the people that he walks up on talking to other people about what had happened. And how they were recognized, how they recognized him, he was breaking the bread. Verse 36, and just as they were telling about Jesus himself, suddenly standing among them, suddenly Jesus was there standing among them. Peace be with you, he said, verse 37. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking that they were seeing a ghost. Why are you, why are you frightened, he, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost because ghosts do not have bodies. And as you see that I do, as he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that it has the answers that human beings do not. Lord, I pray for anyone in this room that may find themselves living in doubt that you love them. Maybe they're living in doubt that this story about Jesus is really true. Father, I pray that this morning that you would answer their que- those questions for them. God, that, um, that it wouldn't be answered by me, but it'd be answered by you, like only you can. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. To doubt is to be human. And because doubt is human, again, we cannot look to humans for the answer. There's another version of this story that John tells. I want to read that version because it includes a little bit more detail. John 20, 24 through 29. In John's version of the story, he includes this man by the name of Thomas. Many of you may know him as Doubting Thomas. Thomas was the doubter. He was the one that we've kind of given a bad rap for, for, uh, for doubting. When it comes to doubt, I think if you knew that I was talking about doubt today, you were probably picturing, oh, he's probably going to talk about Thomas if you've been around church at all. And so John includes the part of Thomas. And so I want to read that for you. It says in verse 24, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. Put my finger into them and place them into the wound of his side. First of all, can we just tell, say that Thomas is really gross? Like that's, just, that's just disgusting. Like, like, I faint at the sight of blood. 
and he wanted to touch his inside. Like, gross. Okay, carry on. Verse 26, each day, eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was among them. Peace be with you. Say peace. Say peace louder. Okay. I, w- I, w- I wanted someone to say peace louder. because anyway. Peace be with you, he said, verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. Look at my hands. For Jesus knows the doubt that Thomas had. It's like, Thomas, you know what? Touch, touch this right here. Put your hand in, in the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. And then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. For the remainder of our time, I want to look at these two stories, the same story, but two stories told by different people. I want to look at them and I want to answer, I want us to answer some questions that I believe that God has for us when it comes to our doubt. Why do you doubt? Jesus asked. I want to look at five things quickly, five things that I find as I read this story that God says about doubt. Now remember, to doubt is to be human. So we can't find our answers from humans. We have to find our answers from God. The first thing that I see is that doubt is a heart problem, not a head problem. I'm going to go through these really fast. We're going to circle back. So don't worry about writing each one of them down. They're going to be on the screen in a moment. Doubt is a heart problem, not a head problem. Jesus offered us peace, offers us peace in our doubts. The closer you are to Jesus, the less opportunity there is for doubt. Sight eliminates doubt, but sight doesn't always produce faith. And the beginning of the end of our doubts is when we call Jesus our Lord. Let's go back to number one. The heart of the problem. It's a heart problem, not a head problem. The article that I referred to in a, a, a moment ago said that doubt comes from the ventromedial prefrontal cortex of our mind. That's in your brain. <laughs> but Jesus says, and I'm, I'm trying to find the, uh, the, the verse, which is verse 38. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Jesus said the doubt is in your heart, not in your mind. And so right off the bat, we see that Jesus looks at doubt way differently than man does. Looks at it way differently than man does. The major difference in how man looks at doubt and how God looks at doubt is the origin of our doubt, the beginning of our doubt, the root of our doubt. If man can't get that right, then why do I go to man to answer my doubt that I have about God? This is important. It's important that you start where you need to start. It's important that you get to the root of the problem. And it's important that we we hit the mark. Here's why. Because if I go to the doctor 
and he finds that I have something wrong with my heart. I have a heart disease. I go to the doctor, and the doctor comes in, and he says, Adam, Mr. Harold, I'm so sorry. I've got terrible news for you. You have heart disease, a heart defect that requires surgery in your brain. So we're going to operate on your brain to fix the problem in your heart. What? Why would I do that? Honey, we need to go find another doctor. Like, I'm not going to do brain surgery for a heart problem. So many of us that are in this room that face doubt will go and start reading a book about our doubt, putting facts in our brains, attacking our mind for the issue. But the issue isn't the mind. The issue is the heart. Luke 24, 38 said, Jesus said, why are your hearts filled with doubt? Matthew 15, 19 says that from the heart comes evil thoughts. <laughs> we have thoughts in our heart. Absolutely, you have thoughts in your heart. Doubt is an issue of our, not an issue of our mind, but is an issue of our heart. But the problem is, the problem is, we can start talking about our minds all the time. We can talk about our minds, and we can talk about how we think about things, and, and, and not really get very uncomfortable. But when we start talking about our heart, we start talking about who we are, and we start talking about who we are on the inside, we start to get uncomfortable, because then that might mean that we might need to change. We might need to change some things that we do. We might need to do some things differently because it's in our heart and not in our mind. Looking at the heart is scary. But that's okay. Because that brings me to the second thing that God shows us about our doubts in the passage that we just read. And the second thing that God wants us to see about doubt, number one, is is we think that it's in our minds, but it, it's really in our hearts. Number two is that Jesus offers us peace in our doubts. Looking at our hearts is scary. Looking at who we are is scary. But that's okay. Because Jesus says, peace be with you. Notice in our verse, in, in our two, two different versions of our, of our story, Luke 24, 36 Jesus appears to the men from Emmaus, and he says, peace be with you. As soon as they see him standing in the room, he says, peace be with you. I know you're freaked out. Peace. John 20, 26, the doors were locked, and suddenly before them, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, Jesus said. The very first thing that Jesus says in our doubts is peace. I think Jesus knew that he was scary. I think Jesus knew that he was going to scare them. Think about it. You see this guy hanging on a cross one moment, and the next moment he's standing next to you. I'd be pretty freaked out too. I'd be terrified. 
And that's okay. Because Jesus says, keep. He was dead, and now he's alive. Verse John 20, 26. Jesus knew Thomas had said that I won't believe it unless I see the nail, the, the nail wounds in his hands. Until I put my fingers in his side. Jesus knew that Thomas had doubt. And because he knew that Thomas had doubt, he walks in and he says, hey, Thomas. I remember like being in in, in, in in school, not just college, but in school and, and like not knowing the answer. And it's like the teacher knows you don't know the answer. So you're the one that she's going to call on. And that's probably how Thomas felt. Please don't call me. Please don't call me. Please don't call me. Adam. Oh, I was hoping you wouldn't call on me. Jesus walks in and he says, Thomas, here, come here. Right here. Put your finger there. Put your finger here. Immediately after Jesus calls Thomas to peace, he invites him to touch him. Which brings us to the third thing that God wants us to see about doubt. So the, the first one is a heart issue, not a mind issue. The second one, Jesus offers us peace. And third, the closer you are to Jesus, the less opportunity you have for doubt. The closer you are to Jesus, the less opportunity you have for doubt. Some of you today just need to find, you just need to discover that you need to get closer to Jesus to eliminate the doubt in your life. Every morning, I believe that we should get up and we should stretch our hands to the sky, not literally, just stretch our hands to the sky and strive to touch the nail-pierced hands of Jesus. Every morning, we should wake up and we should strive to touch the side of Jesus. As we spend time with him, we open his word. We read it and we look at it and we say, what do you want to, me to read this morning that's going to help me with my life? Because this book is alive. And the, the sooner you realize that the book is alive, the more you realize that Jesus is alive in us. And there's no denying that. There's no denying that Jesus is alive in you when you spend time with him. The closer you are to Jesus, the less opportunity there is for doubt. Maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for a while, but you've started to doubt God for whatever reason. Maybe it's because of a circumstance in your life that's painful. Maybe it's because of the way that a church, a particular church, has treated you. Maybe it's because of a way another Christian has treated you. And maybe you've, you've just been skeptical of the whole Jesus thing. I want to challenge you to get closer to Jesus. But Adam, why? Why would I get closer to a Jesus that, that I don't even know if he's there? I think that's exactly why you should. Why you should try. To see if he is there. Try it. I believe 
that when you really do try to get closer to Jesus and you really look to him, you look to God's word for the answers, that you will find that he does exist and that he does love you recklessly. That he just wants you to be in a relationship with the Father. To doubt is to be human. Therefore, we have to seek God for the answers. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 13 tells us that if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. When you seek me, you will find me, Jeremiah says. I think so oftentimes we get this misconception that in order to call Jesus Lord, we have to understand absolutely everything about him. But that's not true. I was five years old when I came to know Jesus for the first time. When I put my trust in him for the first time, I could not understand everything about Jesus when I was five years old. There's absolutely no way. But I've grown in my understanding of Jesus and who he is. Philippians 1.6 says that I am certain that God who began a good work within you will continue to work it until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. When we come to Jesus, that is only the beginning of our belief. He continues to work in our lives and to develop, develop us after that moment. But we have to come to that moment where we put our trust in Jesus. Which brings me to the fourth thing that we see. So first of all, it's, that it's a heart issue, not a mind issue. The second one, Jesus offers us peace. The third thing is that the closer we are to Jesus, the less opportunity there is for doubt. Therefore, we must spend time with Jesus every day. And number four is sight eliminates doubt, but sight doesn't always produce faith. Sight eliminates doubt. But sight doesn't always produce faith. Let me explain it to you in another passage in another gospel. Matthew chapter 16. Are you with me? You with me? I'm starting to put you to sleep. Okay. I, I get it. Matthew 16, 1 through 4 says, One day the Pharisees and Sadducees came to test Jesus, demanding that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. So these men, these Pharisees, come to Jesus and they're like, Jesus, give us a sign. Some of you have been asking God for a sign for a long time. Jesus, just give us a sign. We want to believe. Just give us a sign. Verse 2, he replied, you know the saying that the red sky at night means fair weather tomorrow and the red sky in the morning means foul weather all day? You know how to interpret the weather signs in the sky, but you don't know how to interpret the signs of the times? Only an evil and adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign that I'm going to give you, he says, is the sign of the prophet Jonah. And then Jesus left and left them and went on their way. He's like, guys, I'm only going to give you the sign of Jonah, which Jonah, I don't know if you know the story of Jonah, but Jonah was... Um, was swallowed by a, by a fish for, for three days. He was in the belly of the whale for three days, and three days later he came out. And it was a sign of what Jesus would do in the resurrection. And 
Jesus isn't telling them, isn't going to tell them, guys, I've got a sign coming. I'm going to do the same thing that Jonah did. He didn't spell it out because they already should know that he was the Messiah. And they're asking him for this sign. And Jesus says, I've already given you what I'm going to. Jesus knew that if he were to show them more, that they still wouldn't believe. Because sometimes we see things and it eliminates the doubt that we had. We no longer doubt it, but we don't always believe it. Because sight eliminates doubt, but it doesn't always produce faith. How long are you going to have to see the signs that God is giving you? How long are you going to have to experience the love that he has for you? How long is he going to have to wait for you to finally call on his name? What are you waiting for? In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, here's, here's the issue. The issue is, is that we think, so, so first of all, we believe that doubt is an issue of our mind, but God says it's an issue of a heart, the heart. But we also think that the answer to our doubt is seeing. But God doesn't say the answer to our doubt is seeing. He says it's something completely different. So then how do we receive faith? How do we get faith? And the answer is in Romans chapter 10, verse 17 that says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. You see, we think, human beings think that the answer to our doubt is our sight. But God says, no, 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 no. You got it wrong. Faith doesn't come by sight. Faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. That's good. You keep asking God to show you a sign. But he's saying, you don't need a sign. You need my word. You need to hear it. Human beings have doubt so backwards. We think it's an issue of the mind. It's an issue of the heart. We think it's an issue of our sight. It's an issue of our hearing. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. The thing is, is believing in something is completely different than believing something. Believing in someone is completely different than believing someone. I'm going to put it to you this way. I believe in my kids. I believe in them. Woo. The plans that God has for them. I believe in them and their ability to do it. But how many of you know there are moments that I do not believe my kids? Really? Believing in something is completely different than believing something. Some of you just need to decide in your heart today that enough is enough. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. I'm going to do it. 
Brings me to my last point. So then what do we do with our doubt? The beginning of the end of your doubt is by calling on the name of the Lord. Calling Jesus your Lord. The beginning of the end of doubt is when we call Jesus our Lord. Do you want to end your doubt today? Call Jesus Lord. Romans 10.13 says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Doubt isn't the end of your faith. For so many of you, doubt is the beginning of your faith. Because what happens when we doubt, we start to dig in. We start to dig in. We start to dig in. And as long as we're digging into the right thing, we're going to be okay. The problem is we're looking for signs. We're looking with our eyes. But we need to start looking with our ears. to dig into God's word because to doubt is to be human so we have to look to God the men that were standing in the room as Jesus appeared to them and he talks to them about their doubt Peter Peter was there You know how Peter, Peter was the one that denied Jesus. I don't know if you remember that story. Jesus said before he, he goes to be crucified, he says, one of you in this room will deny me three times. Peter denies Jesus three times. He denies that he even knows him. Peter was his best friend. Peter denied Jesus at one point, but later on, you know how Peter died? Peter died by being thrown off a 100-foot building for Jesus. Sorry, that was, that was James. Peter died by being hung upside down on the cross. That's the best one. You guys knew. Some of you guys knew that I was wrong. You're like, idiot. See, I'm still, like, he's playing the guitar. We're in this great moment, and I screw it up. Really? human. Peter hung upside down on a cross because of this. This is why. Because he said, I am not worthy to be hung on a cross the same way my Savior was, the way my Jesus was. So he goes from denying Jesus to not even being willing to be crucified the same way that Jesus was. So he says, turn, turn me upside down. James was the one that was thrown off a building. James always wanted to be Peter. I'm just kidding. Paul, the Apostle Paul, that wrote most of the New Testament, was beaten with clubs and tortured and beheaded for Jesus. But don't miss this one. Thomas, the doubter. You know how Thomas You know how Thomas died? 
Thomas was a missionary to India. And Thomas was stabbed to death by a spear. How ironic is that? The guy that had to put his finger in the side of Jesus that had been stabbed with a spear died by a spear? All right, God, I get it. (laughs) I get it. Your doubt is not an issue of your mind. It's an issue of your heart. So in this moment, we're going to look there. I can't see it. I can't. Only you can see your heart. And only God can see your heart. So here's what I want you to do to help you with that. I want to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. I want to ask you to look there. Our prayer team is coming forward. They'll be at our our steps here where they can pray with you and anything that you have going on in your life. But I want to talk to you a little bit about doubt. Maybe some of you are here and you've been a believer for a long time, but you've said, today you're saying, Pastor Adam, I believe in Jesus. He's my Savior. I just need to get closer to him so I can stop doubting. Is there anyone like that? Anyone, anyone going through a hard time that you're starting to doubt that God's even there? That you just need to get closer to God? Just, if you're like that, just raise your hand. Just let me know so I can pray for you. Thank you very much. I see you. Anybody else? Thank you very much. I see you. Hands all over the place. Because to doubt is to be human. But the answer is not in fixing our mind. The answer is in fixing our heart. So this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to fix your heart. Is there anyone out there today that would say, Pastor Adam, I've doubted Jesus. But the best way I I know how, I want to fix my heart today. I want to call him the Lord of my life, and I want to fix my heart. Is there anyone that would be brave enough to raise your hand and say, I want to fix my heart today. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Let's just stay right here for a moment. Anyone else to say, Adam, I want to call on the name of Jesus to be my Lord today. You've been doubting a long time. still raise your hand. Thank you. If you raise your hand, 
want to lead you in a prayer. A prayer that will surrender your heart, surrender your doubt to God and say, God, it's over. I'm starting fresh. I'm starting new. This is, this is a new life. I'm coming to you today. I'm giving it all to you. Here's the prayer. Say, God, I come before you. I know I've done wrong. And I'm tired of wrestling with the idea that you love me. I'm tired of wrestling with the idea that you are there. So God, I accept that Jesus died for my sins so that I can be with you. I ask that you, God, would welcome me in your arms and help me to live for you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you do me a favor? Would you stand and give God a hand for what he's done today? Come on. Come on. If you said that prayer on that card that you got, fill it out. Fill your name. Mark down that you are following Jesus for the first time so that we can follow up with you and tell you how much we're proud of you. Thank you very much.